0: The Liberals Gun Corner, a proud progeny of the Gun Rights Radio Network, hosted by Cowboy T, San Francisco liberal with a gun. This podcast is always available at www.liberalsguncorner.com, and you can email us at cowboyt at com. Cowboy T here. Welcome to episode 49. Over on the Facebook page, uh, my posted an article about a mosque in Texas. It's primarily attended by black Americans. Now, note, everyone's welcome at this mosque, long as you come in peace. (laughs) Well, here's what happened. (laughs) Some folks decided that they would do an armed protest of this mosque. Yeah, their reason for this? Well, basically that Islam is un-American. Muslims are un-American. Yeah, that whole thing. This group, uh, they call themselves the uh, the Bureau of Islamic American Relations, or B-A-I-R, or BEAR. (laughs) Yeah, basically they're positioning themselves as the opposite of the better-known Council of Islamic American Relations, or CARE. I will quote for you this BEAR group. We cannot stand by while all these different anti-American Arab radical Islamists team up with Nation of Islam, Black Panthers, and white anti-American anarchist groups joining together in the goal of destroying our country and killing innocent people to gain dominance through fear. Okay. Their platform is that these black people are anti-white. So, therefore, the bear folks will show up, armed with AR-15s and such, in front of their mosque, and protest. Well, okay, as long as you act in accordance with all applicable laws, then that is your right. Texas is, in fact, an open carry state, so this is perfectly legal. By the same token... It is likewise the right of the folks who live there to counter-protest Bears' protest. And in like fashion. (laughs) And that's exactly what happened. The day that the protest happened, April 2nd, something like, oh, what was it, eight people from Bears showed up to do their protest. What they didn't expect was that, well, the neighborhood residents, including several mosque attendees, would respond in like fashion. Yep, you saw a whole bunch of black people armed with shotguns, rifles of various types, all that stuff. Yep, that includes AR-15s too, by the way. And those black people way outnumbered this group of white people from Bear. Seriously, it looked like at least fifty folks there, maybe a hundred. Almost all of them armed to the teeth, just like the Bear folks. Oh, furthermore. The neighborhood residents had several folks with rifles on top of several roofs. Uh Uh-huh. Just in case. Looks to me like they took a page from the the Korean shop owners in Los Angeles during the Rodney King riots in 1991. The bear folks? They decided not to stay too long after all. (laughs) Yep, turn tail and round. Funny how that works, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, naturally, after the fact, they... They posted something up on their Facebook page saying that, Nah, we wasn't scared of damn blackies. <laughs> I'll give you the exact quote. quote Told to leave by police. The Black Panthers and Nation of Islam did not run us out. We would have stayed if not for the police telling us firmly to go. Close quote. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Think about this, folks, okay? Please, just now think about this. You go as an armed group into someone's neighborhood with clearly less-than-friendly intent, and you're armed to the teeth. Well, what else would you expect? Especially in Texas, for goodness sake. (laughs) Tell you a little something else. Not a shot was fired. Nope. Not a single blue... Not a single a single bullet flew at all. Nope. The, the Dallas Police Department, they were basically caught in the middle of these two groups, you know, hoping that someone wouldn't, you know, do something stupid. And fortunately, nobody did. The Bear folks turned tail and ran, even though they said they didn't, when they faced some actual opposition that could possibly fight back. And nobody got hurt. What I saw with all this that that kind of took me back, okay? All this takes me back. looked <laughs> a whole lot like the pictures of the original Black Panthers of Oakland, California, back in the 60s. Yeah, we're going back to the 60s, man. Yeah, just like the folks in that neighborhood in Dallas. Well, black people in Oakland back then faced not just armed intimidation, but also actual physical attacks like assaults and such. And worst of, worst of all, That violence happened at the hands of those who were sworn to protect them and their rights. The Oakland Police Department. We're talking Rodney King-style beatdowns for doing 10 miles over the speed limit. For a so-called California stop. for For turning or changing lanes, you know, without signaling. That kind of thing. So, what did they do? Well, the only thing they could do. Start exercising their Second Amendment rights. And that's exactly what they did. My dad told me, son, they really had no other choice. So, in accordance with California law at that time, and we've discussed this here on The Corner before, they started to open carry shotguns. They would have much preferred handguns, I assure you, but, well, California law only allowed long guns for, you know, loaded open carry, and specifically it was shotguns that were allowed. Well, faced with armed Negroes who insisted that the Supreme Court's Miranda ruling actually be respected and followed? Well, hmm, the police did actually start treating black people better during traffic stops for a little while. (laughs) Funny how that works, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, and after the Mulford Act became law, uh, this was a law, by the way, uh, specifically aimed at disarming the Black Panthers, you know, Negroes WITH GUNS, OH MY GOD! Guess what happened? Yep, the beatdowns started right back up, and they continue, continue, unfortunately, to this day. Funny that. Well, this time, the Dallas Police Department did not try to disarm either those white protesters of the mosque or the black residents defending that same mosque. We'll continue this discussion, by the way, when we get back from the break. This is really interesting stuff. Stick around. (music) Okay, we're back. We're talking about an armed protest by some some white protesters, some white people against a mosque in a mostly black neighborhood, and how the residents there responded with their own armed counter-protest. Folks, what happened last month there in Texas looks to me like, my God, the, the canonical reason for the Second Amendment, defense against tyranny. Black people had to defend themselves from KKK lynch mobs back in the day, too. And yes, including in Texas. The ones who succeeded in defending themselves were the ones who had guns. Got to remember, folks, a local sheriff back then was typically a a KKK member as well, you know, a whole lot of the time. Uh, Black Wall Street of 1921 in Tulsa, Oklahoma, something similar happened. Uh, Even with Jim Crow segregation, folks, black businesses in Tulsa, Oklahoma at that time were making all sorts of money there. That's why they called it Black Wall Street. Bottom line, very short version of the story is racist whites of that day didn't like all that success, so they went and got their guns. Well, naturally, the black neighbors saw that and went and got their guns, too. It's probably only because the black people were also armed that more of them weren't killed. In the end, unfortunately, the neighbor was firebombed from the air. Yeah, firebombed from the air, totally flattened. How do I know this? Because my own family, Uncle Nelson, was part of it. The family escaped and made it to Michigan, where they explained to to the rest of the family what had just happened. They were fortunate to, A, avoid arrest, and, B, get out of there alive. Oh, uh, yes, they had guns. Seems my family has quite the tradition of armed self-defense, doesn't it? (laughs) You know that old expression, Deja vu all over again, that old Yogi Bear expression? Well, that's what I saw in those pictures with the armed black residents opposing the armed white bigots there in Dallas exactly a month ago today. And faced with superior firepower, (laughs) by quite a margin, I might add, the armed white bigots turned tail and they ran. Yup, uh-huh, ran like the wind. Seems those black people decided that, yes, their lives did, in fact, matter. And they did something about it. They counter-protested, with gusto. So, uh, well done, counter-protesters. Well done. That's how it's supposed to be. You know, that's how it's supposed to be done when people come at you with the threat of force. Well done. Oh, uh, by the way, here's the actual headline about all this from the da- the, the, the the Dallas News. Get this. I quote. Armed clash over Black Mosque triggers anger in South Dallas. <laughs> Y'all get that? Armed clash over Black Mosque triggers anger in South Dallas. Hmm, all right. Let's see here. Gotta wonder. What's a Black Mosque? Or what, what? Did they, they paint the building black or something? Hmm, well, that, that seems pretty unlikely, you know, given that it's... Well, Texas, and the sun's pretty bright there in Texas. Gets kind of warm there. I lived in southern Nevada for for a few years, folks. Black paint absorbs a whole lot of sunlight. It gets hot. People who own dark-colored cars down there, man, I pity them when they open their car doors and try to sit down, especially if it's a leather interior. Ouch! So, so, uh, I doubt that's what the Dallas News meant by Black Mosque. Couldn't have been black paint. Hmm. Could they have met people who are the black sheep of the family? You know, like, just not exactly conformists. Kind of like Cowboy T here. <laughs> I've been called in on numerous occasions, you know, being a computer geek and all. Oh, and a gun-owning liberal on top of that. I've met a lot of other folks like me that way, too. You know, we computer nerds, we always hung out together in school. And a lot of us black sheep have made plenty of money being geeks, you know. <coughs> Bill Gates! <coughs> Bill Gates! <laughs> Pardon me there. Tis good to be a geek. So, could the Dallas News have meant that? Hmm. Well, not likely, since you know most computer geeks I know, they don't really tend to be all that religious yeah, anyway. Not sure why, just kind of turned out that way mostly. You know, spiritual, yeah, I, I've seen plenty of that. But not so much religious. So, what could the Dallas News have meant then? Oh no, really? <sighs> Seriously, folks? <sighs> they meant the people, didn't they? Really? That, that's just patently stupid, okay? Because anyone who wants to go worship there peacefully is welcome in that mosque. I mean, you could be, I don't know, uh, Margaret Cho, uh, You could the, 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 the Dalai Lama, uh, legendary poet Omar Khayyam, an Arabic guy. Or, heck, you could be even, you know, whiter than Donny Osmond or or Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, That's pretty white, folks. And as long as you're peaceful, you can go worship there, no problem. Let's see, just how many trigger words do we have here in this headline? Armed clash. Oh, not that anyone actually engaged in fighting, but it was still an armed clash. Hmm, let's see what else. Oh, yes, Black Mosque. Yeah, got to get that scary headline in there, right? It's been said for decades, you know, years and years, that the fastest way to get the police to your current location is to call 911 and say, there's a black man with a gun. They'll make that 10-minute trip in two minutes. Uh, oh, and, oh, and that one, that wasn't enough. No, just saying black with guns wasn't enough. It's got to be a black mosque. Uh, you know, you got to get that, ooh, armed Muslims. You know, you got to get that double whammy in there. <sighs> this whole headline is just terribly biased. and it's, it's designed to get white people all whipped up and scared or frothy at the mouth. Oh, my God. But, you know, you got to get that scary headline so people will click on your article, Right. Then you read the article and you find out what actually happened. And you go, oh, that's it? That's all there was to it? (sighs) Yeesh. You know, I would remind everyone, no, this isn't a black mosque. Ooh, No, it's a mosque. It's just a straight-up mosque, okay? So it's in a predominantly black American neighborhood, and mostly black people attend it. Okay, whoop de doo. You know, I kind of doubt these bear folks refer to their own Christian churches as white churches. Yeah, you know, can't call yourself that. Furthermore, I kind of doubt that the Dallas News would refer to a white church either. Uh uh-uh, I doubt it pretty seriously. Here's why. I happen to live in a mostly white part of town, and there are a whole bunch of churches here. Oh gosh, one on every corner it seems. Hey, it's Virginia, right? You know, the Bible build. Now, do the newspapers refer to such churches as white churches like the ones in my neighborhood? Well, since I live here, I can tell you. No, they don't. They just call them churches. Wow, what a concept. Folks, don't let crazy headlines like that you know, get you all frothed up in the mouth. Don't always believe the headlines. Do your own homework. Actually read the article all the way through, even if it's biased. But at least get some idea of what's really going on, okay? Now, when we come back, I'll give you a great example of why it's a really bad idea to do gun registries, okay? We're going to get into that now. This particular example is thanks to Ann Weber's Facebook page. Turns out Anne is a resident of New York State, and she pointed this out a little while back. See you soon! back folks let's talk about gun registries now we all know the aunties would really like to do that so you know they know who has the guns where they live all that good stuff yeah i've actually heard a sheriff and yes he's an auntie i heard him say he wants to know where all the guns are who's got the guns he wants them all registered oh yeah he's an auntie big time We've already talked about the risks of confiscation as a result of the government knowing who's got the guns. You know, they're still raiding people's homes in my own, my own home state of California today. But we're going to take this on from another point of view this time. Yeah, remember a few years ago when the Journal News posted that, that website of theirs, you know, with the, with the list of gun owners in, in New York City. Remember that? Well, for those of you who don't remember, gosh, I really hope that you know about this. But in case you don't, the Journal News editors claimed that it was the public's right to know who's got the guns. Yeah. And how, pray tell, did they get this information? You know, for their, that website that they put up. Well, it turns out that in New York City, you've got to get a Mommy May I permission slip, also known as a permit. This is just simply to own a firearm. I'm not even talking about a carry permit. Uh-uh. I'm talking about mere... Ownership, simple possession, as in you have it in your house. Yeah, yes, you've got to get a mommy, may I permit in New York just to own a gun. I'm talking New York City now. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means New York City's government knows who all the gun owners are and since you have to list your list your, you know, your address to get the permit, the ownership permit by the way, they also know where you live and thus where you keep your gun. Turns out that information who's got a gun ownership permit is subject to Freedom of Information Act or FOIA requests, and that's what the Journal News did. They did FOIA requests to the various counties that make up the five boroughs of New York. Putnam County is known to have told them to go take a flying leap. Two other counties, however, did hand over the information. Yep. These counties are Westchester County and Rockland County. Handed it right over. The, the journal news editors then, here's what they did with this information they took this information and made a, get this, an interactive, clickable map on a web page of who's got a gun ownership permit. This this little map. This map it had little dots. You know, one for each and every name and address, and you can just click on it, and up pops the name and address. It's it's just like Google Maps, but for gun owner permits. That's what the Journal News did. Well, naturally there was an outcry at all this. Why? Well, duh, because now any criminal can just click on the doggone map and get an address where it's pretty much guaranteed to be a gun there to steal. <sighs> Cheese. Oh, that'll never happen. They're just being paranoid, the journal news editor said. It's not a list of where guns are. It's just a list of addresses where the resident has a gun ownership permit, they said. The public has a right to know, they said. Oh, really? Just being paranoid, eh? Is that so? then how do they explain the at least two break-ins to homes on that very same clickable map of theirs where the thief specifically targeted the gun safes? Yes, you heard that correctly. At least twice now. Twice now. Government, uh, excuse me, criminals. Huh. Actually, gov- government, criminal. What's the difference nowadays? Huh. But criminals broke into addresses that, oh, just so happened to be on the Journal News's News' little clickable map. And the residents' guns were, in fact, targeted for theft. There was an article about this on the Westchester, Rockland Newsday. Yeah, that's uh, the local newspaper up there. One time the thief couldn't get into the safe. Thank goodness. So it was uh, uh, only money and jewelry that got stolen. <laughs> yeah, only. But the second one. The thief just took the whole dog on gun safe. I'm guessing it was a smaller safe typically used for handguns. Yeah, took the whole dog on safe. A little time with a drill bit, an axe, and or a good sized crowbar. You're into that safe in about two or three minutes. Doesn't take long, folks. Now what were the guns that got stolen? A forty five caliber Colt revolver? And a twenty two caliber Ivor Johnson pistol. Not Good, folks. Not good at all. Remember I told you which New York counties handed over gum owner permit information to the Journal News? Yep, Westchester and Rockland counties. Where did these break-ins happen? Well, the newspaper that reported on the break-ins is the Westchester-Rockland Newsday. (laughs) Like Zaza Gabor would probably say, very interesting, darling. <laughs> the NYPD, you know the boys in blue, of course. The NYPD does not denies any correlation whatsoever. Oh no 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 this didn't happen at all. No there's no correlation. Yeah, here's what they said. Quote The burglary is still under investigation and there are no facts to support this correlation at this time. Close quote said. Clarkstown Sergeant Joanne Fratiani. Quote, if the investigation develops further information, it will be released accordingly. Close quote. Yeah, Sergeant Fratiani. Sure. <laughs> I don't believe that even for New York's second, let alone a minute. But, but apparently, since you do, then, well, okay, let's publish your address on a publicly accessible, clickable little map on the web. How's about it, Sarge? You have a gun permit, too. It's called a badge. How's about it? Clarkstown Detective, Detective Lieutenant Excuse me, uh, Charles Dello told uh, News 12 that he believes the burglary was random and the home was not targeted. Sure, it wasn't Detective Dello. Right. This, folks, is a great example of why the government should not know who's got the guns. Oh, and that includes who's gotten license to own them either. That information gets out, you have break-ins, just like you just heard about. Anne, thank you for sharing that article with us. You're right. More people should know about it, and it's great to see a fellow liberal pointing this kind of stuff out. Good on you for doing it. Folks, you ought to check out our Facebook site. It's actually quite good. Ann Weber is her name, A-N-N-E, um, and Weber is spelled W-E-B-E-R. She's got a lot of good stuff posted up there, you know, stuff that we liberals ought to be putting in the, you know, the front of our thoughts more than we do sometimes. Oh, uh, oh, uh, here's a little fun footnote to all this. When what the journal news editors did went public, oh, they got all sorts of protests. Uh, people protesting outside the front of the building. Even the publisher herself Janet Hasson, H-A-S-S-O-N, had Fox News showing up at her home. What did they do? (laughs) They went and hired armed bodyguards. (laughs) Yep, with guns for their own protection. Oh, at both their offices and their homes. (laughs) Yeah, they wanted to name and shame gun owners and put them at peril. But when they themselves felt threatened... They went and got hired guns for themselves. As the old Negro Leagues baseball player Ted Double Duty Radcliffe used to say, ain't that something? We'll be back. back. Today is Monday, May 2nd, 2016. Happy May, everybody. Well, I went to the range this evening. Tonight was a particularly special and personal range trip because tonight I fired my dad's guns. Well, of course, he did so on a regular basis during his lifetime, but this is the first time I've ever fired them myself. One of them is a three hundred fifty seven Magnum service-sized revolver. And the other is a thirty eight special snub- uh, snub-nose revolver. Uh, one, of them, one of these two guns has been in his nightstand ever since I can remember. Uh, the other one's a little more recent, about old oh, vintage 1990. That's the one he carried when he was out and about. And before he got this little stainless uh, uh, snub-nose, uh, he had a, a blued version of the same thing. Ever since I can remember, he's always had two guns. One for the home and a smaller one for Carrie. He showed them to me when I was around, I don't know what, five or six years old, something like that. Uh, this was so I would know where they were, and what was there. It was also made clear that I was not to touch them at all, under any circumstances, without his permission. Why did he show them to me back then? You know, what was it, forty-one, forty-two years ago? Well, because, and and this is his own words. Son, I don't hide anything from you. You're my son. Yeah, that's how he felt toward me. Well, I didn't touch his guns until my mid-40s. Yeah, this, and th- by the way, this was after I'd become a part-time range safety officer. It took that long. Yes, it took me nearly 40 years to even lay a finger on any gun he'd ever had, and I had to become a part-time range safety officer to feel qualified to even do so. Oh, but how could that be, Cowboy T? You're a boy. Boys are fascinated by guns. I'll tell you how. Here's how. You know that thing we call proper parenting? He did that. What a concept, huh? Those guns protected him for decades. Uh, Decades, folks. As in, like, 40 years or so, maybe longer. And now... They protect me, his son. For the first time in my life, I took dad's guns to the range. Tonight, this this evening, May 2nd, uh, 2016. And I actually fired them. I'm going to tell you about them. Why? (laughs) Well, because these two guns tell a story. An important, uniquely American story. You'll only find this happening, this sort of thing happening here in America. First gun. It's a Taurus 357 Magnum. It's an older, all steel model. Um, makes sense that you buy that brand, come to think of it, because, well, Dad himself was a Taurus, <laughs> born in May. We all know about Taurus the Bull, right? That means, yep, stubborn, just like me. <laughs> and true blue to the core. My dad was one of the most loyal people you'd ever meet. So let's talk about this Taurus bought and owned by a Taurus. <laughs> it's in great shape, you know, this this old wheel gun. Uh, the bluing on it is, well, I'll put it this way. The gun looks almost brand new. The dad always kept things in top working order. His cars, his house, his musical instruments, and, yep, his guns, too. Every year he'd qualify, he'd re-qualify with this gun. And this is, by the way, even in his last years. I'm talking like, you know, 81, 82, 83 years old. Uh, just to make sure he could still do it. He could. I did notice that, you know, a little gun oil in the right places would probably be a good idea, so yeah, I did the standard cleaning that I always do on guns, and after that, it seemed like it worked just like clockwork. You know, nice and smooth. For ammo, he had both CCI aluminum case, three fifty seven Magnum, and some Winchester uh, oh, nickel-plated brass thirty eight Special Plus P. Oh, oh, and also uh, he had some uh, some spear lawman uh, 158 grain 38 special, and you know, come to think of it, he even had about 20 rounds of full wad cutters from double tap. <laughs> All of this is good factory ammo, folks. I fired some of this ammo. Turns out, you know, Dad's Taurus 357 Magnum shot oh just slightly low and to the left. Well, I was—I know something about guns. That was easily remedied in a few seconds with a small flathead screwdriver. Just a little adjustment to the rear sight, boom! Now it shoots dead on, right where you point it. This, this Taurus 357 Magnum. Speaking of shooting it, has the traditional wooden grips like you'd see on the—you know, you used to see on the police revolvers not so many years ago. The cops had these same wooden grips. Well, since these are the traditional service-style wooden grips. I thought, yeah, it's probably gonna sting my hand a little bit, you know, especially when you're firing, you know, full tilt three fifty seven magnum rounds, you know, the standard rounds, standard factory rounds. I expected that. Turns out not so much. <laughs> well, yeah, sure I felt it recalled, duh. And there is some kick. You know, hey, we are talking three fifty seven you know, magnum here, right? <laughs> That's no lightweight. But it was surprisingly pain free. I could have shot it a lot more and been just fine, you know, even with full house rounds. And now that I have fired it, the big question comes. Would I trust it for my own self-defense? You know, if that thing goes bump in the night, you know what I'm talking about, folks? Doesn't matter how, how pretty or sentimental a gun is. Uh, you got to be able to trust it if you're going to count on it for self-defense, So, that's the big question, the the $64 billion question, because, well, life is priceless. Would I trust this gun for, you know, what we call nightstand duty? You're damn right I would. It's a revolver, folks. It's a wheel gun. You feed it even halfway decent ammo, and it's always going to go bang when you pull the trigger. Dad's Taurus is no exception. It does the job very nicely especially now that it's properly sighted in and if the FSM forbid I should ever have to call upon that gun to defend myself I know it'll do the job you know that old Taurus picked well by buying this Taurus <laughs> Now let's talk about his other gun his carry piece Now <laughs> this little guy is a Smith and Wesson model 640 in stainless steel this little fellow replaced a, a blued gun that he had before this one. Same size, you know, same kind of deal. So why did he do that? Why did he go stainless? Well, because stainless steel is less prone to rust when you're carrying it all the time than, say, a traditional blued gun might be. Let's face it, human beings do, you know, this little thing called sweating. This little piece, is it's a, it's a little snub-nose. You know, it's a five-shot, fits right in the pocket, you know, very easy to carry. Or if you're female, a purse, of course. It's part of what Smith and Wesson calls the J Frame series. Whether blued or stainless, by the way, uh, these things, these little J Frames, have been one of the the classic carry pieces throughout the last several decades. Uh, this is you know right out right along right up there with the, the Colt Detective Special, another excellent carry piece. You know, this little Smith feels solid in my hands. You know, it just does. You know, I like the feel of it. Substantial is the word that comes to mind. Dad would regularly you know, requalify with this, you know, this little gun every year, too. You know, just to make sure. But what's it like to shoot? Well, here's what it's like. The ammo I used for this gun was, well, of course, 38 special, since that's what it's chambered for. Duh. I tried out both factory wad cutters and factory 158 grain standard loads, since you know that's what I had left after testing out the three fifty seven Magnum Taurus. Didn't get to try the 38 plus p ammo. But, you know, I've shot so much of that in so many guns by now that I already know what it feels like. It's not much hotter than, you know, standard 38 Special, really. Remember I said this little gun felt solid and substantial? Yeah, it did. Especially when I was, you know, actually firing it. Let's take a little comparison. My Ruger LCR, that's my normal carry piece, and, by the way, a superb little revolver, that thing's 13 ounces. That's pretty light. You shoot either standard 38 Special or the Plus P rounds, you're going to feel the snap in that little featherweight LCR. Not so with this little Smith 640. Now, I haven't weighed it myself. I haven't put it on a scale myself. But Smith & Wesson Incorporated says it's 22 ounces. I can tell you it's definitely heavier than the LCR. What that means is... Well, you put it in your jacket pocket, it's going to swing a little bit more if you carry it there. So, you know, just be a little careful. But it also means that the extra mass soaks up recoil when you're practicing with it at the range. Oh, yeah. Uh, You can easily shoot a couple boxes of any factory 38 special loads, and including the plus Ps, by the way, in this little 640. I think it's very comfortable to shoot. And now, that all-important question again. Would I entrust my life to this little smith? Well, Dad did since the 1990s. I I told you about that ad nauseum. But the question is, would I entrust my life to it? Does it work for me in this regard? Hell yeah, it does. I'd trust it in a heartbeat. You bet I would. This is an older Smith and Wesson, say before that ridiculous nanny lock, you know that you know they put in their revolvers nowadays. It's a wheel gun, you know. It's it's going to work. I shot a lot of guns by now, folks, and I've never met a Smith and Wesson revolver that didn't work well, and that includes this one. You know, it's just like liquid plumber, you know, where you pour it in and it works. <laughs> well, that's what these two guns are like. You load them up. And they work. I thought of him as I fired these guns. Of course I did. Duh. You know, he always had a taste for the good stuff. Whether that was his cars, his house, his very occasional drink of vodka, or his guns. And he took good care of them. You know, it's one thing for, you know, for me to be sentimental here. And I, I admit there's a little sentiment. Sure, of course. But it's very much another to have a very functional tool of self-defense well-maintained. Which these definitely are. And now, now, these tools of self-defense protect me. And I'm thankful for that. Remember, folks, the key to freedom And this really matters here, folks. The key to freedom is the ability to defend yourself. That is the key to freedom. And if you don't have the tools to do that, then you're at the mercy of those who would do you harm. And the tools for that are guns. Don't believe me? Just ask the Secret Service. By the way, those words were spoken by a Swiss man named Mark Heim a few years ago. My dad, obviously, agreed. And so do I. Because it's true. And here in the United States of America, we still get to do that here. It's up to us to make sure we always have that choice, that right, just like he did. This is Cowboy T signing off. Until next time. Till then, safe shooting. Practice often. Get to the ballot box and vote.